Dr. Sleeth, you recently wrote an article that stressed the importance of hospitality, how something as simple as maybe asking a person to share a meal could end up changing their life or maybe even saving their life. Now, that sounds pretty simple. How, how can it actually help? Well, I think that one of the problems, and particularly after this last year that we've been through as a country and as a world, is isolation. And uh, as we're beginning to come out of that, I think we've got to be intentional about extending uh, hospitality to others. And, uh, you, you know, you can go to a church and feel isolated, but when somebody says, hey, how about coming with me to get pizza or coming to my house for a meal, that's, that's a very powerful uh, invitation. You mentioned in the article also that the word hospital is part of the word hospitality. Uh, tell us about that. Well, it, it's to, it, the, the root is really to take care of others and, and to give hospitality. And, you know, at some level, we're all kind of broken and sick and hurting. And, you know, our Lord told us to just be with there uh, with other people and to uh, even suffer with them as, as they're going through hard times. And, and I think that um, uh, particularly in, in, I say this, the condition that we're coming out of in the last world, we've got to be intentional about reengaging with others. Even if we can't physically be with them, you know, that doesn't stop you from sending a letter, uh, sending cookies, etc. So how can a, a person, a Christian, tell if someone they're talking to is really in distress? The, the reason I ask that is that... Uh, a lot of times we'll talk to someone, hey, how you doing? Hey, just fine, everything's good. They fake it. And, you know, how can you sense that there's an issue and, and without being awkward, kind of getting someone to open up? How, how do you do that? Well, I think one of the things sometimes is to share with others our vulnerability that, you know, uh, maybe we're going through uh, some hard times and to share those and invite others into that. Jesus is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He knows when we're struggling and um, he, uh, um, he's not afraid of that, and, and we shouldn't be either. We should uh, reach out to others when we're suffering, and we should reach out to others when they're suffering and to offer love and encouragement and just in the ear sometimes, uh, just to listen to other people. With what has been going on that we referred to earlier with uh, the pandemic and we had social strife and an angry election and economic problems and so forth, you know, people— definitely you know have been on edge to some degree but how do you share practical hope you know and I, I know there's a spiritual hope you know eventually heaven and, and knowing the lord but how do you share like a practical hope hey you know things can get better there there are people who can help you how do you share that with people I think you have to, you know, sit down in in some setting that's comfortable where you're not distracted and have a conversation and and nothing is in, as encouraging to somebody who's going through a difficult time as an example of how you got through it or someone in scripture even uh got through that. Um there are multiple episodes in scripture where people come to the end of their rope and they say I don't want to live anymore whether that's Moses or Elijah or Jonah. And, um, you know, to kind of, and in each of those cases, God uh, ministered to them, sometimes by changing their jobs, sometimes by giving them food, sometimes by putting them uh, to rest, and sometimes just by listening to them. And so I think if we uh, emulate those things, uh, it can be encouraging. And, you know, one thing um, 
uh, I would suggest that you do is don't say, I'm, j- I'm going to pray for you. Go ahead and do it right then. Send somebody a prayer. It can be in a text. It can be in an email. Um, uh, and, and let them know if you've gone through a similar struggle, how you got through or how somebody in Scripture did that. In other words, focus on people who were successful in getting through those hard times, not the ones who failed. And in particular, you can share your own story, you know, in a in a short elevator type uh, situation. Absolutely, I I didn't become a Christian until I was forty seven years old. Did a lot of living uh, without God, and um, you, you know, it's it's great to uh, share with those who aren't believers. Uh, in my case, how I may have struggled through a similar situation, and how how God and a hope in um, uh, a future life with, with the Lord um, has, has just changed the perspective of not only me, but my entire family. You have said that uh, we now live in a, in a culture of suicide. Tell us about that. We do. Over the next year, 10 million Americans will seriously struggle with whether or not to end their lives and of those 10 million, one and a half million will actually end up in emergency departments being treated um, for depression or suicide attempts. And, and we lose uh, one person about every uh, 10 minutes in the United States to that. It's become so prevalent, my concern is that it's going to be normalized. And my, my hope is that the church, uh, who has hope, um, who has a reason to slog through the hard times, um, will step up to the plate and engage um, with those who are feeling desperate. As a uh, physician, as a former emergency room trauma doctor, you have seen suicide attempts firsthand. So this is very real to you. It is very real. And uh, not only suicide attempts, but uh, the, quote, accidental overdoses, you add those together and we have a situation that's never been encountered in history before with this many people uh, responsible for taking their own lives. I think that it it shows a kind of a desperation in society. Um, Christians aren't immune to it, but they are four to six times less likely uh, to take their own lives than atheists. And I think we've got to share our hope. We can no longer keep quiet about it, and we can't assume that other people know what it is that keeps us going through the day. We have to spell out why we have hope and where we have our hope. Do you sense there still is a stigma about mental illness and particularly about suicidal thoughts? You know, absolutely. I have yet to meet anyone who's ever heard a sermon on suicide other than after the fact. And suicide is the one disease in which prevention is the only acceptable medicine, if you will. And I think the church either has to wake up and start addressing it head on, um, just as Scripture does, or, or the moment's going to be lost here. And by the way, Jesus made no distinction between physical illness and mental illness. He was, he was there um, to heal both. And, and he, frankly, understands both. You have a book that is coming out called Hope Always, How to Be a Force for Life in a Culture of Suicide. What are your hopes for this book? Well, my hopes are that, first of all, it gives practical advice. This is a tough subject. It's, it's tough to begin a conversation about. I literally give people the opening lines in, in how to engage in this. 
Um, we, we tend to avoid subjects that we don't feel competent in, and my hope is that will give the readers uh, a little bit more competence and a little bit more boldness in reaching out to others because suicide is a disease of loneliness. And if we, um, as a church, kind of mobilize uh, with hope, um, that's my hope is, is that the church wakes up here. One chapter in the book is called The Greatest Depression, and you're not really referring to the economy there, right? No, I'm, I'm talking about where we are as far as uh, suicide. It, the traditional high was in the Great Depression, aptly named 1930s, um, but we are there and have far surpassed it uh, at this moment. The difference being that in the 1930s, the banking system had collapsed, the economy had collapsed, the environment had collapsed. This is the era of the Dust Bowl, uh, and, and there are no treatments for depression even. Today, one in eight Americans is being treated for depression, um, and our, you know, for the most part, uh, we're not experiencing as hard a time as they did in the 1930s. So I think that even though we have all these material uh, things and all we have all these modern marvels of technology that there's a kind of uh, desperation in society and uh, that that's one of the reasons I wrote this book was to address that something that struck me uh, in the book you make it very clear that the voice of God never tells a person to commit suicide never ever if you hear somebody telling you uh, to harm yourself that is Satan period if you look in Scripture, he shows up on the first page telling Adam and Eve uh, to take something that will surely kill them, Does the same, uh, tries to do the same thing with Job. Even when Satan meets Christ, he's trying to get him to jump off the tower. On the other hand, Christ tells us to die to ourselves, to be born again, and to be formed into his image. So they're two very, very different messages. If someone listening to our interview, whether it's a pastor or a believer, a family member, or maybe someone who really is considering self-harm, what should the next step be? What What do they do? Where do they go? Well, if they're, if they're right this moment uh, considering harming themselves, they need to dial 1-800-273-TALK or 8255. That's the National Suicide Hotline. Uh, there, it's a clearinghouse for resources in all the areas of the country. And, and so if they're at that point, I, I would urge them uh, to do that. But reach out to somebody, reach out to a pastor, reach out to um, uh, a loved one, tell them what's going on. If need be, you know, see a therapist, uh, see a doctor, uh, get treatment. And know that if you get over this this period that you're struggling with now, the odds are that you're going to go on to, to live a, a much um, better life and, and you'll, you'll be stronger for it. But uh, don't succumb uh, to the, as they say, the uh, permanent solution to what might be a temporary problem in your life. Well said. And of course, when you're talking about life and you're talking about faith in Christ, uh, life really is forever. We're only here for a while. And when we naturally pass away, you know, there, there is something before us. Uh, as a physician yourself, you know, how have you talked to people about the idea of, you know, eternal life and and, and living forever. Is that a difficult thing to get across to people? It, it is. I think we, sh we have to share our hope, and my hope resides in Christ. And 
I became a Christian when I picked up a Bible and read it for the first time and met Christ. And he is unlike anybody, and yet he's more human than anyone I've ever met. And and when we keep our eyes focused on him, he's either, as C.S. Lewis uh, said, he's either insane or he's the Lord. He's either a liar or a lunatic or he's the Lord. And I chose the Lord. And and so some people will resonate with that, and, and some do not. My job is to give the gospel lovingly, and it's it's up to God and the Holy Spirit and that person whether or not they accept that truth. When a person picks up a Bible, perhaps for the first time or dusts it off after it's been on the shelf for a while, where is the best place to start? Because if you start with the Old Testament, you may get you know, kind of sidetracked, and, and it'll take a while to get to Jesus. Where do you recommend people start? You know, I, I'm laughing because the Bible I picked up, uh, it, it, there's a term called provenient grace, which John Wesley coined, uh, which is the grace that God extends to you before you know that God exists. And the provenient grace in, in my case was that my parents named me Matthew and not Numbers. And that's where I opened uh, the Bible and started reading, and and that's what I would recommend to anyone who's picking it up for the first time. You will immediately uh, be given the gospel, um, a reason to hope, a story of Christ's sacrifice, his resurrection, uh, etc. And uh, then after you've you've studied uh, the the four gospels, um, you can broaden out perhaps going back to the Old Testament, going forward into the letter Paul's letters, etc. All right. So if someone wants to uh, secure a copy of your book, is it out yet, or where do they go? It is out. It's on Amazon. It's on Barnes & Noble, Christian Book Distributors, etc. All right. Dr. Sleeth, I sure appreciate your sharing with us. Great to be with you, and God bless you and your listeners. 